What's up? And welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play. As always, I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and you probably saw this in the title or the description of this episode, but this episode is another feature where I was a guest on the X Button Podcast. If this is your first time listening to the single player experience, normally I talk about video games, the good ones, the bad ones, and everything in between in this single player space, and I give you video game recommendations. Now, if you're a long-term listener of the podcast, then you already know what it's been like lately. I've been a frequent guest on the X Button podcast, a really dope podcast, by the way, that you should check out featuring Paul and Alejandro, where they talk about all the gaming news that you need to know about, and they do a deep dive into video game reviews. So in the most recent episode of the X Button podcast, Paul and Alejandro tried to sell me on Destiny 2. We also talked about Starfield and the Suicide Squad getting delayed to fall of 2023. So, if any of those games or topics piques your interest, you're in the right place. Alejandro and Paul were nice enough to let me post that episode on the Single Player Experience Podcast, and that's what you're about to hear right after the intro. DJ, start the intro, mine. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single player experience. Now without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Button, Season Three, Episode Nine, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, I'm your host, Alejandro. With me is the Hobbit that just went on his unexpected journey. Paul, oh, hey everybody, how's it going? How you doing, Paul? You sound so different. You look so different. You look like life has just like kicked you left and right <laughs> as you have made your travels. Just, just a little bit, I would say. Um, moving stocks, and I didn't fully understand or respect that until now and boy it's like just being perpetually tired and hmm, not great but i'm here hey and, that'll be uh, that'll, that'll be me soon <laughs> so i'll join I've, you there i've played like about 10 percent of the games that i usually play mm, yeah. um but besides that we have our other co-host who has taken over for me yeah how you doing my man how you doing doing good doing good power level above nine thousand. i am just you know, living life, chilling out, maxing out, relaxing on cool. I was shooting some b-ball outside the school, but you know, it's raining here, so I went back in the house. But everything's pretty good here. What I'm like, I'm glad to hear that y'all two are well, despite all the the technical difficulties that are going on to Paul's side, and yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Al on your side. You know, I don't hear any construction, so I'm 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 gonna take that as a yeah, progress there. Yeah, like the construction okay. is finally done. Now the only there is a sounds we will hear is probably my dog, like always. Like last episode, <laughs> that just as soon as we started, she had been quiet the whole time, and then she just started barking. Right now she's like taking. We took her to the bed for a shower, so they're gonna pick her up anytime soon. So at any point we might hear her, who knows? But uh, I'm just glad that we're here. Uh, glad to see you again, Paul. Like the, usually I don't see you unless you're going like a vacation. You know, and even then, like we record early, like at Evergreen, like we did last year when you went to Destin. 
So this has been like before our holiday break, the longest I have not seen your face. So <laughs> in a while. It's been a, it's been a minute. It doesn't feel right at all. But now I'm like, oh, did I need more time to get prepared? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Even with a... Even if you haven't played much, you can still say a little bit. But uh, before you get into that spiel, this is a reminder that this is the X Bottom Podcast, or gaming podcast that posts every Thursdays from 2 p.m. onwards, God willing, available in the YouTube channel Escape Gaming, as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape gaming. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. And uh, we're all again recording on Thursday, I think. Paul... Should we make it officially now the recording times Thursdays for postings for Fridays? Let's see how it goes for the next like week or so before we say officially, but it seems like we're aiming uh, a little later in the week as things mm-hmm. are going. All right. Yeah. So again, this was going to go on Friday based on when we're recording, but like I'm still re- saying it's still Thursdays from 2 p.m. onwards. That still kind of covers where people can explain it. it. Yes. <laughs> so, so Sebastian, so real quick, um, I wanna I wanna get ahead to your second game that you have listed here, uh, because I played just a little bit of it because we kind of talked to uh, talked about it when we were reading the game releases, Wulong Fallen Dynasty. Uh, how much have you played? Um, I think I'm on like twenty so hours maybe. Okay, so you've been playing a lot. Yeah, I've been playing quite a okay. bit. I've yeah. been, been playing enough to know what like the ins and outs of everything to have my review written for the ProNerdReport.com. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing a, a solo episode about this one on the Single Player Experience podcast. So I played quite a bit of this one. Yeah. Uh, I had the offer to also be on that episode if I played, but I would have to fail in that because I only played like an hour of it and then I just went and deleted it. Was... Wasn't for you? <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't for me. I think it's more like... Um, have you played Sekiro by any chance? Yeah, I've played Sekiro. I would uh, compare this more to Sekiro than I would Neo. Yeah, it's like a, it feels like it's wanting to be Sekiro, but at least early on, you could like correct me if I'm wrong. Like, there is no pairing, kind of like Sekiro. Early on, they want you to do the dodge thing where you press B at like a specific moment to do like a like a quick uh, counter attack. Oh, like, I mean, you can um, parry. Um, you can parry pretty early on, but like. The, there's a fine line between like parrying and the countering attack yeah yeah the, the counter attack it made more sense like parry like i just it looked like secure and, and i get this thing that when something looks like something before like it really takes a while for me to like remove my mind out of um how i how i remember another game feeling especially the secure the best thing about that is the pairing mm-hmm. like it has such an amazing like parry with the lb l1 button that it i wasn't feeling that in wulong and that game kicks your teeth so early that I was like, you know what? I'm still playing Destiny. I'm still going to be writing the review of Destiny. Like, I... Not for me right now. I'll wait for much later. But uh, it's a 20 hours in, Sebastian. How does, how are you liking that, that game? I like it. Um, it, it kind of addresses some of the complaints that I had of, like, FirmSoft games. Of, like, I don't think FirmSoft... I think FirmSoft kind of has a bit of a narrative problem in a way where like they focus more on lore than they do on actual like storytelling more yeah, so their gameplay for their gameplay first story like infinitesimal second yeah i will say this game doesn't have like a great story either but at least they're trying here i mean but i will say the cutscenes in this game are absolutely amazing and i think that is 
uh, as a person who really enjoys that style of narration and storytelling um mm -hmm. where the game has isolated cutscenes or at least like emphatic um story driven moments to where you can tell that like, this is absolutely just to build the story around you like i love moments like that in video games and this game has those and it almost feels like an anime version of a firm soft game in a lot of different ways it's just you know i feel like this game does a lot of good things well but it doesn't quite nail uh, i guess some of the gameplay aspects that firm soft has like mastered over the years as yes. well so paul i think you would agree with me with this like dark souls games are basically anime games right <laughs> because of the of, of the berserk influences the memes kind of turn them into that uh they're uh, I always honestly thought of more as a uh, video game version of Pilgrim's Progress, if anybody remembers that <laughs> book back in the day. Uh, I had I, that book, I read that book and I had the movie, the modern telling of that movie, like with modern yeah, stuff. <laughs> we don't talk about the movies personally, but at least like the book and that concept of like, you are a regular Joe Schmo with a sword and a shield, hope you survive. But um, later on, I feel like people kind of took that and ran with it and turned it into, like, big anime energy constantly. And now I think something like Elden Ring leans very heavily into that. Sekiro definitely does as well. Um, yeah, okay, maybe Bloodborne too, if they really want to go that route. But it's just because anime is universal, man. It's funny, you you know. it's funny that you mentioned Bloodborne because one of the head designers of Bloodborne worked on worked on Wulong. That was like a big the, the big promotional like push oh. for this game that they had a Bloodborne guy working with the with Team Ninja. So but the games don't feel at all like FromSoft. Like not even close. You so. know, I, I will say like I uh, I think this like the FromSoft games feel like old school anime more so than new school anime. Like new school anime has like a huge emphasis in storytelling and like they establish lore but a lot of like the newer anime such as like you know um the staples such as my hero season six or like our attack on titan and such like that are like ingrained into their story and they like it's almost like they tell a good story and then the action and the, the lore comes second so i'm like i feel like that's more like 90s and mid 2000s anime that firm soft games kind of emulate yeah no, that's fair so but but you like it that's like the big the big thing you played some a good 20 hours in so far i i like it i don't love it i I, I think that that almost might be a theme for this year. Besides Hi-Fi Rush, I've I've rarely found any main AAA games that I love. I think like I like them. Okay, I'm okay with it. It's almost like I'm da we're dating for a little while, but I don't want to make the the big term big long term commitment yet. And I'm like, but we're getting so many of these. I think seven out of tens that it's perfect. I you know it's it's there's a little bit something for everyone, but. I don't feel like this year we've hit a Elden Ring or we've hit a Breath of the Wild or we hit anything like masterful. that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, I mean, that. it is. But I don't. I don't even think we hit a game on the caliber of Spider-Man yet. It's like I feel like there's a lot of goods, but not greats so far in 2023. What about y'all? Do y'all feel the same way? Um, I've the only game that I've liked, not loved, is Forspoken. And even then, I know that game has been like. I mean, like in the minority of actually liking that game, considering how it reviewed and now that story that studio went in the way of the Dodo. Um, I have really liked <laughs> a lot of the games that I've played. Like the Dead Space remake, even having beaten it, the thing I played, amazing. Mm -hmm. I 
am way higher than both of you on Hogwarts Legacy. To me, that game is mighty impressive. And hey, even freaking Angry Joe just gave it a 10 out of 10. Angry Joe, of mm -hmm. all people. Why, yes. why would he? Oh, Angry yeah. Joe is wrong with you, man. Yeah, and he also gave Dead Space a 10. So that's to, to kind of give you an idea of kind of where his mind has been like over the last month. And uh, the only miss for me has been Atomic Heart, which obviously, Paul, you played a little you played a little bit more than that than i did like i me and sebastian sarah spiel for, for atomic heart uh you played a little bit more than i did so i did the two cents um, so yeah i'll uh i'll jump into that and it's uh atomic heart is such a weird feeling game um it really wants you to think that you're playing a firestock game mm -hmm. but it absolutely is not it feels um, worse. It feels way worse than it, one. It feels it certainly does. It looks like it would play great because it is all created to make it as cinematic as possible. Motion blur and everything moving around. It's just supposed to look really solid with like the doom dodge mechanic and everything. Um, I see what they were going for, but I think there's an issue with Paulus, but which I'm sure everybody has already fought to death by now. Um, one issue and an example of that is that you are fighting enemies in like an underground hallway at some point. I dash out of the way uh, around the corner to avoid use it as co uh, cover. And the area of attack move goes under the floor and hits me anyway. It's essentially, it was like they stabbed their little stun baton into the ground. It's supposed to travel straight towards you. Naturally, when you go behind a wall, I would assume that, that would stop, but it just kind of goes through the the ether. It hits me anyway, and that really upset me for some reason. Um, but beyond that, there's just this weird level of jank going on. Uh, the animations are great, but then at the same time, there's something just kind of off, like your main character reacts way angrier than he really ever should to any situation. Like he feels like a pro wrestling game. character. Yeah, he, <laughs> he just does. he sounds like Triple H essentially. <laughs> um, where he goes onto a train and the guy's like, "Yeah, there's like you need a a ticket," and this dude like loses his mind, like air and energy walking into a GameStop. Like, are you serious? Do you not know who I am? You need to start this train right now, Mister. I will like kill you right here. And I'm like, buddy, just go get a ticket everybody's dead just yeah. pick one up it's fine and like yeah. I, I was over here getting actually upset at the fact that this guy was so pissed off at everything he is a very uh, unlikable like character yeah. yeah like to um, me like i can't really believe weird. i can't believe i live in a world where i much prefer hearing the dialogue of forspoken than i do atomic heart after all of that game was clowned on that dialogue and it feels like the equipment, especially the attitude the main character has of Atomic Heart and then trying to be a squipster talking to his uh, yeah. machine stuff like feels more out of place there, especially because in Forspoken, you know, it was it was more in on the joke of the isekai. This is not an isekai. Yeah. So. so I think um, a lot of it's weird because it's like the person playing, what was it named? E3, um, which is weird because you're called that, but everybody refers to you by your real name. Mm -hmm. So that's very confusing for him. But anyway, um, it's like they told him to do his best Roy Baker impression. And, but then his personality doesn't line up at all with that kind of characterization. Uh, because you're right, he is kind of more talking like first spoken spray rather than like 
hey, I'm a competent spec ops, really good soldier. Instead, I'm talking like a 12 year old Call of Duty. Mm, Um, So yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on with that that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The way the pacing is really all thrown off, they do that same thing that I want complained about the 20 thing God of War where it's like they give you an objective and they keep giving you things to fail that objective to move on to the next thing uh having to go back to talk to the train guy and find like three different tickets like just felt very strangely paced and that kept happening throughout the game so uh I know I want to go back and just finish it but at the same time I'm starting to see why a lot of people have just kind of dropped this game all of a sudden which is a shame because it looks and sometimes feels amazing and sometimes it depends. can i interject um a little bit here and say that i feel a lot of the things that you feel paul and you know it kind of here's how i felt about the dialogue when i was playing it it almost felt like someone was watching deadpool back when deadpool was released and they decided they wanted to emulate kind of like that tone but they it doesn't really fit the tone of the game very and it well. makes sense this game has been in development for a while mm-hmm. they have been that, saying that this was like yeah. eight eight seven eight years in development and based on the timing that would yeah. that would check out like deadpool original one 2016 and deadpool to 2018 yeah, I think that that I think the same almost could be said for for spoken, but for spoken's dialogue kind of matches that world a little bit. But I mm-hmm. think we're seeing a lot of games now come out have that kind of Deadpool tone to it, to where everyone's trying to be like tongue in cheek, very yeah. very almost meta in a different way. And the thing is that it's not just saying that it's Deadpool that they blame it more on the MCU and Joss Whedon mm-hmm. because that was his writing in the first in the first Avenger, and obviously like since he like his star way fell of like the of, of the of acceptability ever since like his uh, the claims of impropriety that everyone felt through thread him that now everything that remotely feels like it's like his work is like being shit on right right now like any, anything similar and n- not many people say Deadpool even though that is Deadpool yeah, it is yeah that, that is literally Deadpool's character so, it is. And um, another thing I wanted to say about Atomic Heart, I mean, like, if someone didn't tell me who this studio was made by, a lot of the jank is very reminiscent of a like of a Bethesda game in a lot of different ways, and a lot of like the the viewpoints, a lot of like uh, some of the the way you move around almost feels very Bethesda esque. And you know, like I, it's kind of a lot of the times reminds me of like um early stages of fallout maybe like fallout new vegas mixed in with a little bit of fallout 4 but not quite not quite the same gameplay there but like a lot of that jankiness from the what you expect from the fallout games kind of feels present and then like i do want to give them credit because atomic heart does have some really cool features like um swimming through that ooze the one that kind of looks like water but it kind of moves like oh yeah oh yeah yeah the glycerin i loved that effect of like in that thought process of like mm-hmm. you swimming through to the next room or you and swimming dash, to another yeah, platform and that and dash out of it yeah, yeah. And you kind of have that boost yeah. out of it now they don't explain how you kind of boost out of different things like that but like i i like elements of this game it feels like weird cool sci-fi that i can get behind it just feels like a lot of it kind of like what i kind of like what me and paul said about like hogwarts legacy a lot of it feels half-baked you know yeah, but Atomic Heart definitely feels even more half baked than something like oh, Hogwarts yeah, Legacy. Sure. Like, like uh, any claims of uh, of half bakedness, I'm like, I'm coming at the defense of Hogwarts Legacy from both of you. But with it, with Atomic Le- with Atomic Heart, yeah, it's like 
all the cool elements. Comic art see. isn't even half baked. It's like a quarter baked with like a little bit extra. Yeah. Hogwarts Legacy is <laughs> yeah, like quarter, half yeah. baked, but like with an asterisk that's like five eighths, maybe. You uh, know. Yeah. And, and and you know, Alejandro, I I mean, half baked for Hogwarts Legacy is like half baked as far as its lore goes. I don't yeah. think it's a bad game. I just oh, don't yeah. think like compared to like what we expect from like the Harry Potter universe, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you know like they kept intrude to the world of Harry, like Harry Potter. It's almost like if um if you played a Batman game and then mm -hmm. they gave Batman guns and you would just. And you would look at this and be like, oh, this technically like they Batman. did in Arkham Knight with the yeah. freaking bat tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you get what I mean. People, people yeah. complained about the bat tank pretty oh, heavily. Yeah. Oh, though. Yeah. I mean, I know. it's like if you gave Batman pistols or if like you played super, you played a Superman game and Superman just went around snapping necks, you would just be like, oh, yeah, this doesn't feel like an actual Superman game. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's like it's half baked in comparison to the Lord, but not as a video game. Like Atomic Heart is like a half baked mm -hmm. video game. So that's kind of like that's kind of like where it breaks down, but yeah, it's like uh, I still don't know if I, I still have Atomic Heart installed because it was seventy gigs. Like I still haven't <laughs> I still haven't got the itch to like go back to it. But obviously because I've been my life has been sucked by the other game. But I'm gonna go back to that with, for you with you, Paul. Uh, but uh, Sebastian, tell me a little bit about Maquis Adventure. Uh, Maquis Adventure. Um, that's a I have an interview coming up with um, the uh -huh. dev of this game. It's, the episode should be dropping soon. But like, McKee's Adventure is a game that sort of like takes elements from uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Like, takes elements from Mario 64. It takes like that old school Nintendo 64 kind of elements, and it uh -huh. also mixes them in with a 2D action action adventure game platform. Uh -huh. And so it's a fusion between two different genres that really works well. So you eventually, like, you play as a just straight laced adventurer who's a uh, almost like Maui from uh, Mo um, Maui from um, Moana. You, mm -hmm. Have y'all both seen that movie? Yeah. Where like he can change it to different um, different animals and different creatures and such like that. He's a shapeshifter. Like your character in this is a shapeshifter who just can transform into different versions of sharks. So like the platforming oh. element is like half of it you're on the surface and you're fighting you're just doing the regular 2d adventure thing where you're like almost rogue legacy s where you're fighting people off or like platforming in between different stages you're trying to solve the regular metrovania kind of stuff and then there's other elements where you're diving underwater and solving underwater puzzles and like and you transform into different sharks that enable you to have different abilities underwater for one instance like i love how the up? shark looks i'm looking at the uh, yeah. i'm looking at the, at the at the art <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the black and red shark <laughs> yeah it's like you know it's the art style it's very like 2d-esque it's not like blowing anybody away but this is a fun game especially if you like 2d yeah. action adventure platformers mm -hmm. and um the fact but it that has 3d moments right it that does have 3D it does. Moments. I'm, I'm looking at like where you got the shark that it actually becomes like a 3d thing and some screenshots are just like a 2d game yeah so it's a so like the 3d aspects are when you travel in between the different levels like mm -hmm. you know how like in mario world like you or, or yeah or or you mentioned it did it come racing also and did it like, come yeah, racing did, did you, you travel mm -hmm. and travel in between the different points that's when it becomes 3d but when you're in the levels it all it it narrows down and becomes like a 2d action adventure platformer but when you're like just roaming around the world it's a 3d it's a just a 3d open world game kind of yeah, yeah and are the levels Sebastian just like level based or is this like metroidvania like it's metroidvania-esque yeah 
And so another I mean, another one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Metrovania esque, uh, and I'm saying esque. It's not like it's not completely. It's like light. It's not like I would probably say it's not like Rogue Legacy where it's like a full veil Metrovania game. I think you can beat this whole game in probably seven hours. That's how. That's how much I clocked it in at. So it's very nice. tunnel focused Metrovania, and. I, I just got to shout out the fact that I've never played a game that kind of had this many like different ideas and wacky ideas, but it, and that comes together this well. And so I, I think people should definitely try this out. It's a, it's, I believe the game is on the cheaper side. I did get the code for review, um, just full disclosure there. But like the fact that you, you could transform into, the, into these different sharks, such as like a hammerhead shark that allows you to crush um elements underwater the the regular like shark that allows you to chew up your enemies and then they have like this smaller like almost bottlenose shark that quickly allows you to swim in between like different elements it's mm -hmm. really creative how like the developers thought about different elements of this game yeah you tell me it's a metroidvania and i'm in uh this is just on pc currently right or do you know PC, if it's yeah pc and uh, i think he said there's going to be a switch port um pretty soon makes sense and then eventually that just cascades into a, the the other consoles too so yeah for sure all right that's, it does sound fun uh so i beat yesterday lego star wars the skywalker saga i took a little break from reviewing destiny to just be like because i did literally everything humanly possible that i could do from that expansion currently as i went for the raid um i played through the entirety of the sequel trilogy um initially starting that it felt like i was opening an old wound i texted paul and, and in the chat that i got with paul and my Girl. friend sax yesterday and because I hadn't realized how much like my disgust after Rise of Skywalker around like 2019-2020 is like what soured my opinion around a bunch of this stuff. But playing something like The Force Awakens, it was just a reminder of, oh yeah, this is uh this movie was really fun and and like a lot bunch of stuff with this game. They present everything in such a fun, quirky, like they give you the greatest hits. They hit all the good parts, like also in quick in almost quick succession, that I just like blasted through it. And then something like The Last Jedi, which I'm I'm in the positive side of the camp and that in, of that destructive discourse, and, and I'm like, oh yeah, this movie. I like this movie, but man, it's not conducive for a fun game. It seems like like you walk from you do a lot of walking in that episode, like literally a lot of a lot of Naughty Dog style slow walking from like one point of act two to the other point. And there's some really amazing jokes there. They they embrace the memes that came out of the movie. Shirtless Kylo Ren like slays me. <laughs> and 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 the uh, Skype the Skype calls, and, and and all that. But to me, like the greatest compliment that I can give them is that I went through the Rise of Skywalker, my least favorite Star Wars movie of all time, and I had so much fun playing that movie in the in in in, in this game because that that movie is just so ridiculous that playing it in cartoon form makes that story feel more palatable. But it has all the nonsense of that movie, but it's it still felt more fun, and that finally made me complete this game finally after like an after having just played phantom menace last year and never going back to it and that was my only opinion of that uh, now that i experienced this thing in its entirety it has its high, it has its low points but overall i really love this package like it's especially right now that we're in mandalorian time uh, paul have you watched episode two by the way just the first one okay you have to watch the second episode the second episode is so much better than the first one and you ended up loving the first episode. And I enjoyed reasons, the so. first one. Yeah. So the second one is significantly better. So uh, yeah. right now, now, now we're back in like Star Wars release cadence. I'm glad that I feel I'm feeling that love for Star Wars again. Kind of like the excitement to like be part of that world again. 
as we lead into Survivor. Um, and today, um, they, the uh, Dead Souls Return to Castlevania thing launched. And I was interested in that because I remember en I enjoyed Dead Souls a lot when I played it in Game Pass back in like 2019. That was the last time that I played it, and it did, but then I never went back to it and continued doing rounds and all that. And then when we saw the Castlevania thing, which buys with me a lot, I was like, yeah, I'll I'll definitely uh, check back Dead Souls again. I mean, it's an old game, but I still have it there. I bought it because I had played it on, on Game Pass. I bought it on a, on a steep sale on, PS, on, P, uh, on PlayStation because I just prefer trophies. That was going to give me more of an incentivation to play it. And yeah, I saw the review today for my gen. I gave it a ten. I was like, "What? <laughs> okay." And so and it's just ten bucks. I was like, "Okay, ten bucks. Yeah, I'll buy and go and go back in." I'll just give a forewarning for anyone that may be interested in playing this Castlevania side of Dead Cells. If you have never completed a single run from Dead Cells, you're not gonna be able to go play the DLC, like at all. Like you have to complete a first run, like. It reach what's the quote-unquote ending of a run to be able to unlock a bunch of stuff that then unlocks the Castlevania stuff. Thankfully, they I don't know when they did this, they added assisted mode. That's basically easy mode. This game is brutal. Brutally hard. But that was kind of part of the appeal that in the same way, like, in, like yes, sort of roguelike-ish, but also more like Souls-like-ish that you get, you, you keep like upgrading stuff that you carry into like a new runs and it just keeps getting yeah. progressively easier. If you have no time for that, go to go to the assist mode, lower all enemy health like to the very bottom, make it the thing easy. You can blast through the whole thing in like 40 minutes and then you'll be able to like unlock everything to play the Castlevania stuff. And I tell you, Paul, the Castlevania stuff, how they did it, I'm in, like, I'm in awe. Like seeing seeing it in the Dead Cells art style, but and seeing Richter Belmont and like seeing all like the enemies and uh, being a like, part of the loot that you acquire in that thing, being the Castlevania weapons, the like the whips, all of that. Like you can un you can unlock it like doing doing that stuff. And I'm like, ooh man, I can't wait to play more. Like literally, I can't wait to play more because to me, Dead Cells plays so well. That's like I'm not a big role like guy. To me, the two ones that I've enjoyed was Hades. And this one. Why did I enjoy this? Because I really love the gameplay. Rogue Legacy, I haven't tried the second one, Sebastian. The first one, I didn't enjoy how it felt to control. So I couldn't quite break into, into that one. But Dead Souls is like such a tight controlling game. And me that I love like tight controlling side scrollers. That I was just like, uh, because I played on Game Pass. And you have to having to do today the, the run and the system of playing that. Uh, I think I, I got some videos in that. I was able to get some weapons that was just melting bosses so quick, and like in, in, in like quick succession. There's something super satisfying about about the Dead Souls loop. So, but so again, like if you played Dead Souls before and you still have a save there, and you're interested in the Castlevania thing, definitely dive in. You will find it very interesting how they segue into like you think you're doing a normal run, and then you run into Rick, uh, uh, Richter Belmont, and then that, and then you immediately go into the castle, which is the final area in a normal run, and that's when it becomes a Castlevania game. So, and it's so cool, and apparently you unlock more stuff after completing that, including being able to play as one of the Belmonts. So now, you, now you're a headless character. You be it like it eventually becomes a Castlevania from like what I read. So, and it's just ten bucks. So, I will say like, so, I, so say. I was but just about to ask. Um, so I haven't jumped into the Dead Cells Castlevania um, expansion, but I gotta ask you, based on what you played so far, do you feel like you would want this studio to do a, their own Castlevania game? Dude, 
absolutely yes. They they literally did it. That's how it feels like when you jump into like Castlevania stuff. It's like it immediately shifts into that. And I'm like, oh, this is what modern 2D Castlevania could look like. And this game controls so well that especially I would I would dare say controls even better than the GBA collection, Paul. That was really good. The one that had the the GBA Castlevania Area of Sorrow, yeah, the ones that we got. Yeah, and that was really good. Now imagine it playing better because Destiny just plays so much better. So I feel like now they're. This feels like a test. I feel like this feels like a test bed. We had heard that Konami has been like auctioning their IP for people that really want to do it. And Motion Twin, the guys that worked on on Dead Cells, have mentioned that a big inspiration for this game was Castlevania. So them announcing the Return to Castlevania DLC felt like a match made in heaven. It was like, oh, they mentioned what their inspiration are. Now they got the keys for the kingdom. And they did like a DLC within their own game. It feels like this could lead them then now to do like a proper 2D Castlevania game, which we haven't had one since like Mirrors of Fate in the 3DS. That yeah, it's been a long it, time. That eventually made it to PS3 and 360, and that one wasn't very good because it was just more combat focused than the all-encompassing Castlevania experience from like Symphony of the Night onward. So, yeah, I would say yeah, with that little caveat thrown for people that haven't played Dead Souls. That's also that's still amazing. I would say I would dare say even more amazing as time has gone in, and especially with assisted mode, much easier way for people to get in because roguelikes are hard uh, by default, and that makes it very easy for people to see to see them as like impenetrable. Before mm-hmm. I dive into my further thoughts on Destiny 2 Lightful, Paul, I want to hear yours. You started playing the campaign. You're like three missions in. Yeah. So. All right. Um, I definitely don't hate it nearly as much as a lot of people seem to. I uh, thought it was fine for the three missions that I played. I know a lot of the complaints I didn't even really get to. I only got to like the first mention of the veil, um, where they. It was kind of funny. The mission that it began with, they're like, get to the veil before the witness does. I was like, okay, from the very beginning, be like, like in the it's like an overall yeah. like objective and then after like five minutes you just get to this place randomly in the middle of the map and it's like all right you reached the veil and i went why no that was it and it's been captured and it's been captured you're like you're you're like looking at (laughs) yeah um i sympathize a lot with a lot of the audience where they're just like all right, what, where did this come from? Why did you throw this random concept in? It's all of the somehow Palpatine return thing. I hate going on that because it's blowing through. Mm. But at the same time, it's still valid at the same time. Um, and while I'm enjoying myself in the environment, and even though I haven't fully unlocked Strand as an ability, it's, you have to be the I've campaign. Seen what I can do? Yeah, I you have. Yeah, um, you have to be the campaign for that to fully unlock. I'm really looking forward to it, um, and at the same time, it's like I can feel my own hype almost being ruined by the internet, mm-hmm. where I feel like I could have just played through and been like, "Yeah, that was okay." But like everybody is so adamant about hating things that it just kind of starts to ruin my enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get in before everyone just keeps eating their dead horse, mm-hmm. it uh, just or like Sebastian loves saying, like taking it to the streets and beating it. <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's accurate too because it mm-hmm. just um, after a while, it's like 
all right, I really want to like this, but everybody else is saying these things. And I know everyone's like, oh, why don't you just like get over it and not let other people's statements affect your opinion on it. But it's like, after a while, if every, you hear everyone else saying mean things about it, you're like, oh, I guess yeah. it does kind of suck. Oh, well. But again, like, uh, here's something that I need to like further elaborate, especially for you, Paul. Like, you haven't been on the Destiny train like in its entirety since like 20, like, you have jumped in and out. In fact, like you jumped out for a while. I brought yeah. you back in in 2020. Yeah. Like the people that felt incensed by this campaign, like especially from a story perspective, there are people that have been following this thing for like almost it's nine years. You haven't jumped in in 2020. Yeah. You're not as con you're not as uh, invested in that way. And I'll say this: like the hatred towards like this ex entire expansion, just based on the on the story alone. Has it dissipated massively since the last week that I had recorded? Because the more people have engaged with the game, not just the story, the game. Right. Now people are like, you know what? Yes, the story deserves clowning on, but this is so much fun. If you're having fun with the campaign, Paul, you're going to have fun with it in, in its entirety. Barring two sections, if, if you're playing Legendary, they're going to be a little difficult. But it's like, what do you play Destiny for, Paul? What do you play Destiny for? What have we been playing it for over the yeah. last two years? It's it's always the gameplay. There you go. Exactly. And, yeah. And and, so and I I'm sure I'm going to continue to enjoy it. Um, it's just one of those things where I can't play any of it hardly. Mm -hmm. That all I hear is just you know influx rather than me getting to have my own experiences mm -hmm. with it. And you know, especially you can almost liken it to whenever people are talking about a movie. Mm -hmm. Or if they're talking over the movie you're trying to watch, you're like, shut up and let me finish this, then mm -hmm. we can talk. Yeah. But so it's like, I know I can't tell the whole world to stop talking while I get this life change out of, out of the way. But you know what? I think I'll take this life change now for Destiny over, like, imagine if I'd moved the day before Jedi Survivor came out. Uh -huh. That would have broken me. Yes. Or oh, man. Other single player games that I've been really looking forward to because, you know, people just don't have patience anymore and won't start casually posting spoilers about three days after the game comes out. Mm -hmm. um, but at least for this one, it's like, I don't really care about the spoilers at the end. I just want to run around and blow things up with, with brand ability. So um, it's one of those, like, I almost don't have a horse in the race, but the part of it that I do is like, yeah, everyone, right. But also, let's try to enjoy things still. No, and that—that's that's, kind of really all I'm. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's been kind of like the more like sombering point. Like as I kept playing after I went on my long therapy session with Sebastian last week, um, because I was just raw, having just had been in the campaign, so that was everything that I I had more in my mind, and it had a few things from like the post game that I had sort of touched in, and now that I've completed pretty much everything post game available until the raid comes in including some of the stuff that unlocked this week a very cool secret exotic mission fall that you'll eventually see um it was just a, exactly you'll see and you'll see it whenever you you, you play it it's like a, it was a secret a secret exotic mission at the european death zone and and i was like yes yeah, like why do i play this thing for for like the experience that i usually get post campaigns it was more disappointing because last year was their attempt at saying we usually the stuff you usually do after campaigns is usually awesome. Let's make a campaign awesome too. And what they did this year was do a campaign that's only half awesome, which is the gameplay side. Replaying it because I do it, I'm doing it the legendary run with my Titan, where I told you that 
I was like breaking it with like the with the Lorelei Helm expo uh, exotic that was like trivialized in some of the hardest parts. And I'm like, yes, like this thing is so much fun. Like the combat scenarios are so much fun. It, there's like they still like the special sauce that made the campaign fun to play last time is still was still there. And the post game, I dare I say, is like the most fun I've had with a post game. Um, in the last three years of Destiny. And I think it's because of Strand, the new ability. Sebastian mentioned yesterday that it sucked that there was a high cooldown when it when it tied to the grapple after you moved away from the campaign. The day we recorded, they unlocked all the aspect all the upgrades for that because they were gonna time gate it, but they were like, let's just unlock it for everyone. Let's give them some fun because everyone's like the internet's on fire. And one of those aspects completely fixed the the problem. It's like you get your grapple on any damage that you make, whatever it is where you fart on someone, where you jump on someone, wherever you shoot them, whatever. It's like you get like that thing back and it just makes the combat sandbox so much fun. The builds that I'm seeing people like create with the new subclass where everyone's like tangling everyone like a freaking Spider-Man. That just like tangle after tangle after tangle after tangle, a million uh, grapple hook punches that you can like create. And then, the, then, then when you create those those grapple uh, hook punches creates alien like the alien groups called threadlings that can be with you and then you send them to enemies that then just like attack them like it's like, like it's freaking parasites it's just so much fun and so much and so satisfying on top of that now the game is properly difficult in with the exception of a few parts that are like super difficult that it feels yeah. like that, that that it feels like you're not steamrolling all the content like, i'm enjoying doing strikes again paul Remember what I told you? I'm so sick of doing strikes. I'm so sick of doing that because like it, it, it's just brain that work. Um, they're still not super hard, but now it feels like I'm not just like uh, staring at something and completely melting it, which is how yeah. it, how how I was feeling. And it feels like the game now, like if from a systems perspective, now it's much better than it was last year. And all that noise has just been like what was was been kind of like shut up because of people's massive disappointment on the story of the campaign which is valid but the thing is that that's not what defines an expansion and i already am 1810 paul i'm i'm right ready i've never been this right ready this early that's how much i've been playing this and that to me that's a something because i barely crawled into being right ready last year with witch queen because i wasn't having as much fun after the campaign this time it's this time has been the opposite and the community has turning around like with that in fact it's so funny like what created the turnaround for the opinion was the IGN review in progress. That was like, because that it came in with like a five out of 10. And then literally yeah. the entire community was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. There's a, there's disappointment with that, but this is not a five out of 10. Like not at all. Like this is not an, it's a, it's so funny. Like the reverse psychology happened that whenever now they saw a number being posted online, like as a kind of like an official review, and though it was a review in progress, that's what created like the backlash to the backlash. And it was funny. See, see, seeing that I always felt like it was because I told you yesterday like last week Sebastian that having just finished the campaign as a campaign alone it's probably still something that I would rate personally like a 6 out of 10 uh, just made com in comparison to the one from the previous year I, on itself it's like a 7, 8 and this expansion overall is, is, is in that range for me there, I'm not just waiting for the raid for Friday and then when that and then depending on how good that is that's when I'm going to be posting my review next week but yeah, I've been feeling much better, but as an overall thing, like if I compare the entire package to last year, Witch Queen felt more like important. A package. For, for more like a complete package than this one. This one feels more like traditional, like Beyond Light, Paul. This feels like Beyond Light. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Beyond Light was great Which, after the after the campaign, and you unlocked all the stuff. So right. So, and I don't have to go through all of the absolutely stupid stuff that you have to do to unlock aspects of uh, yeah. bases. You only have to unlock currency, which you get just playing the game instead of having to do all the all the quests for that. Much so better system. That they just didn't like take that away. Like just just remove all of it. And let us buy stuff from Icor Ray or stasis if you want people to use it because i have no desire to continue using it when everything else is easier to build crimson i don't want to spend weeks getting the different quests knocked out and finally have a good stasis mm, yeah and uh the quality yeah. of the quality of life overall though, that they've done with the expansion was like making mods so much easier to read and even though there was initial disappointment at the disappearance of elemental wells fall like Everyone, everyone was in, yeah. uh, they have found the I them. yeah but but, but but then like the orbs are basically the same and now you can proc them all the time yeah they kind so, of consolidated which i appreciate i still need to take time once again when i can play the game i can watch more things about the game and then therefore understand the game more mm -hmm. but as it stands like i only have time to do one of those three things and that is about 30 minutes long yeah so our our good buddy Duncan uh, Paul, uh, one oh, of yeah. these weeks that we're uh, we're gonna bring uh, bring them to the podcast to talk more about like Lightfall because it, uh, they want to say more about uh, because because just talking oh. to Duncan like here do you know that the veil has actually been in, mentioned in like the raids, go dating back I to saw... Garden of Salvation. Yeah, they, they mentioned that there was a lot of like deep lore about it that I just didn't follow through on because why would you follow I, lore in a raid when you're with six yeah, people talking? That, <laughs> and it's like I guess if it's mentioned in the raid, it's like what are you doing during that time? Because I'd only played Garden of Salvation once, and mm -hmm. that thing was kind of one of those situations where you had to focus one hundred and ten percent of yourself on what's in front of you. Um, and all the really intricate puzzles and stuff. So I, I guess it depends on where it was. I expected you to understand what it was, but also if you're going to have that happen back at the release of a very early raid, maybe like trickle it back into the public consciousness. Like mm -hmm. for me with last season, um, and Clovis Bray's daughter, whose name is escaping me right now. Anna Bray. Uh, as somebody who, yeah, Anna. Mm -hmm. um, as somebody who's stuck we're talking in chinese to sebastian right now oh yeah for sure like season of the splicer and before that like she was before all that stuff and she showed up being a super important member of that season i'm just like who is this like maybe it's indicative of a bigger problem what they don't like reintroduce anybody that's just like hey this is that character they're doing a thing that's and the thing is Paul, that they already reintroduced her in a season long gone from before, from after you had jumped in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. This is the same issue as mm -hmm. that old fail mentioned in a previous raid at like the beginning of what D2 or something. At uh, year three, what... year three of D2, so 2019. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, still two years ago. And there we go. Um. So yeah, that's just the whole problem with all this is Bungie kind of just throws things back into the rotation, mm -hmm. but with no interest in explaining what something was, especially if it was only for 
one season or one raid or whatever. And how, how few people have actually played or finished Garden of Salvation? It's one of the worst raids there is. Mm-hmm. One of the artists wants to complete. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, why are you going to have something that is now associated with the entire campaign without bringing it back. Yeah. Some of the the post-game storytelling that has happened after campaign has actually been pretty solid. And also the seasonal... I really want to get into that. Yeah, and also the seasonal story. I'm like, man, they really put some of the really good writers now in seasons because seasonal story has been really good with Destiny. Like, ongoing. The end of last season was amazing. With, like, the Uh Traveler going to the sky and all that and the the death of Resputing. It was like... That's what made people more pain about how the campaign story went because it was like... Dude, just a week ago, we saw, like, an amazing, like, end to a season. Like, it's so crazy that that quality didn't, like, transfer the bit. It's because they had different teams working on different stuff. And now there's just hoping that they do a complete package next year for Final Shape. But I'm feeling more confident about, like, Destiny now long-term for the, for, for the rest of the year. Because they did damage control a little bit at the top, saying that, hey... This is the beginning of a year-long story that's going to tie both expansions together. They usually don't tie yeah. a story in seasons. Now they went ahead and basically said that, so they're aware of some of their story woes. But just in gameplay, uh, just in gameplay alone, like my opinion has turned more positive towards life. Last last week, I was like crestfallen. I was legit crestfallen. Yeah. Uh, I think this was more like my my moments event about it, and next week I'm gonna feel a lot better about it all again. Yeah. Because in reality, it really is that meme of let him cook. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, let's, let's let him sit in. This is the beginning point, even mm-hmm. though wish we maybe set us up for failure on like having such a good self-contained story. Yeah. We did continue that story in many different avenues after. Yeah, so. and, the, and the thing is, like, what people forget, and it's just something I had to remember also, like, why the Wish Queen campaign was, like, so good was that the Wish Queen campaign was the end of a story. It was, like, uh, it was That's years true. of hearing about Sabathun, so because they had an end point, it was easier to make, like, a beginning point just for that expansion, but they knew that was going to be the end. This is literally the beginning. They didn't say how much of a beginning it was going to be, and it really feels a lot like a beginning. That's why it feels so unfulfilling right now. So, but I can't wait for you to play more, uh, so I can tell you a little bit more of the things that you don't understand. And Sebastian, I know that's gonna be like not in your wheelhouse, but you'll continue hearing hear about us like being like the the, the guys that are like on the hook with that game. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's Long all term. good. You know, Destiny ba- like baffles me because like I it's it it's it crosses that line between the MMO and a very straight laced single player campaign and. You know, it one of the normally it doesn't work. Destiny is like one of the few rare exceptions to where like that fusion between two different genres really works well. And it the only like, example, and the only example of like having all those disparate elements somehow working it as close to harmony as they can get, even if it's not perfect. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that. I think that's what baffles me more so than anything because like I get it. I'm not into Destiny, so I don't get like the minutia and like some of the terminology and all that. But I mean that's that could be said about anything and everything that you know you're really not into if you're like playing any game on the face of the planet but like i think what really baffles me here is like uh that let it cook mentality is that a good indicator of a good story or is that just like them retrospectively fixing something that is broken is that i mean how do you review that do you get my question yeah i think it depends on the context of the game for something like this, it's so difficult to know if it was like horse correction or 
what they planned all along. All I can think is because of how much time and effort it takes to make a lot of these beforehand, it makes me think it's the latter, mm-hmm. where much of it was already planned, the animations, the plot, the voice acting, all that. It's yeah, these are done way in advance. Yeah. Just, yeah, so it's not something that can just be done immediately. Um, it's more like, well, the course correction stuff is things that, like, in between actual missions and cinematics and stuff like that, there are these little, like, audio logs or moments where you walk up to the character and you say interact. Mm-hmm. And it pulls up some In-game storytelling, basically. Skip past. So you can get to the rest of the game usually, but that's usually like what they'll do to like quickly explain something that they might have messed up on. So if all of their stuff comes through that, then we know it's more of a course correction. But if it was like the plot focuses on stuff like that, that needs to be explained more. Yeah, that's what I think will be more what planned. And based on some of the things that I played from the post game, it seems like it was planned. I got more of an idea of what the veil is in uh, one of the exotic missions that ties all the way back to Vanilla Destiny 1. Even though it still doesn't go as far as explaining what this damn thing is, it gives me an idea of what it is, in a way, okay. even if it's so. So it's like, okay, I'm starting seeing it. It's, like, it's still, again, like, pains me that it wasn't in the campaign, because that's what I love about Witch Queen last year, that I could recommend it as a campaign thing that someone could buy for, like, 40 bucks and play and enjoy, and then ignore the rest. Not yeah. quite for th- with this, but... That wasn't something that they added. That was already baked into expansions. It was funny. It was like, again, like, they are focusing so much storytelling post-game. And that, to me, is a step back slightly from how it was last year. That all the important beats were, like, left in the campaign. And then the post-game was, like, just, like, leftovers. Just finish finish up some leftovers before, like, setting up for the next thing. So, yeah, it's it's a different time. But definitely time is... It's to the benefit of Lightfall right now. Because... As it was last last week, it wasn't. Everyone was like ready to just like hang them for for, for like for, for those stumbles. But um, that's the nature of life. Yeah, that's that that's the nature of life service. And again, it's like it depends. Like if you're not into that kind of like trickle drip feed, uh, it's worth saying like that's not for me. That's just kind of yeah. like the model that they that 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 they pursued, and uh, they've been doing really well over the last few years. Like yeah, on, I, like, I don't understand. I, you know, um, I just, uh, here's my question. I'm like, as a guy who's not really into Destiny, who tried out vanilla Destiny back in the day, um, I, I, I just want to challenge y'all. Pitch me on this. Like, how do you make someone who's a very, like, single-player-focused, campaign-driven person interested in this kind of game? Alondra, I'll let you go first because I have something that I can get with, like, I think within like three lines of dialogue. Okay, I don't mean to derail the show. Yes. By the way, I was just no, 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 no. It's, 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 I love having this because I love trying challenge. to. I love trying to bring in more people in, and mm-hmm. that's why I loved Witch Queen because that it gave me that. It's like, do you like shooting? Do you like something pretty and something that looks that 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 feels great to play? Play Destiny. That's usually like where I go. If you like storytelling, I don't think this game's for you. Okay. It, at okay. least that's how I said it. Like at least if someone trying to bring it in because I know that I always made this analogy to Paul uh, of why I was so against their whole content vaulting that was happening, Paul. Because it was like it's like you telling me it's like me telling you, hey, watch Game of Thrones, Sebastian. It would be like, okay, cool. But here's the thing: seasons one and two are not available right now. There's like no way to like look that up. Maybe if through YouTube or not. Like officially, only season three is available. You have to start there. But then you're like, but it's season three, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's that messed like, me up. 
yeah exactly so that's kind of yeah. like the one that, that's that, that's the one area where they're like they absolutely have to figure out how to bring the how to bring back the two things that they the two major content expansions that they bolted from like 2017 and 2018 to be able to see this as a, like a complete story uh, but for modern stuff i always see it as do you want a, a, a shooter that looks so great and feels so great to play play destiny that's usually what i say but what say you paul So imagine, if you will, the okay. years 2000. Actually, wait, Alejandro, when did Halo 3 come out? 2007. Seven, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so imagine, if you will, it's 2007, and you're playing Halo 3 with all of your best buddies. You're playing Forge, and you're goofing off. Now imagine, okay, somebody took that concept and all of those mechanics and physics, and made a game where you could play the entirety of Halo with all of your friends all the time. Okay. And that's, that's pretty much it. Like, everything else is almost secondary. Because when I found out about Destiny, and somebody pitched it as, okay, so it's Halo, but with more space magic, and you can play with all of your friends all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dull. Okay. Literally, you can play with an entire <laughs> friend every single corner of that uh, of, of that game. Okay. Um, So even though I ended up eventually changing a lot of my mentality and really enjoying like just playing by myself or single player stuff, for some reason that concept stuck with me a lot because it was like that idea that like I can goof off with my best buddies but play a game that's still really solidly made because multiplayer games kind of stuck to me. And they really stuck to me. Yeah. Yeah. And Destiny is still one of two games that are I would consider MMOs that I genuinely enjoy the gameplay for. The other being Warframe. Because yeah, Warframe there's such a depth in both of those like gameplay elements. So if you like shooting, you like the space-ish kind of stuff, there's something for you to do. But that's I think that's like the most concise way I could sell something. Yeah, there's just something about the way Destiny feels that it's so undescribable until you like get your hand on the controller and feel the weapon kick and the way like it synergizes with like everything else about it with its like powers and level design and its music and art and all coalescing in a way that it's like so unlike any other shooter like to me okay. like, to me and uh, the, i'm usually like why i love your podcast so much uh sebastian with the single player experience because i'm the single player guy you're not gonna see me play multiplayer Uh, of, of others, I tried hard, being like, "Well, Destiny worked for me, so other ones are gonna work." And then I just see the 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 pile of dead bodies in the wake of this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. Destiny just has that special sauce that it, until you like get to experience it, it's like it's almost undescribable. And and then the highs of being able to like complete content with your friends, specifically the raids. Even though Paul had a long, it, it took a long while for to, to, for me to get Paul through. One of those raids, the moment that we were able to like complete those, and some of the rewards that you can sometimes get, great moments, really, really great yeah. moments that is unlike. Uh, probably the closest I can think of, like that gives it that that kind of level of satisfaction, is beating a Souls game. Okay, <laughs> literally, that's like the only the, the only time that in recent memory of, of like. Yeah, honestly, that's and there's something to be said about like. Kind of wishing that there was more of an accessible way to do that, but at the same time, I have no like suggestion for a solution mm -hmm. to that outside of like 
You just got to have enough social ability to find a group of friends that you like enough mm -hmm. to like beat your head against the wall with them. Yeah. And I feel like the only way to like get in any new person right now is accepting that as a story, you may be lost. But oh, I feel God. like, yeah, like, like th th that's like the only <laughs> way, like, but seeing it as a thing that you play and then eventually kind of like just through your own curiosity, because there's lore books that you can like, there's like the, the Mass Effect Codex is still, like, it's there. There's like oh, tons there's of so books much. that you can, there's so much that I haven't even read at all. Like it can satiate that like curiosity if you, if you're looking for that. But this feels more as, as an experience specifically about the shooting and the looting and the, um, and and the space magic like all of, okay. that, all, all, all of that together so. so it just sounds like borderlands with space magic yeah pretty yeah. much there you go that's that's what it sounds like to me borderlands yeah. with space magic how much do you care about the story of borderlands very um, minimal it's very minimal like, yeah yeah more characters in borderlands i mean uh more characters in destiny take their, themselves seriously but at the same time like half of them don't that's what makes it a good blend rather than everybody taking yeah which was but a yeah, great dance yeah. with space uh which has actually been done in borderlands but yeah that's, that's uh, yeah with uh with the pre-sequel <laughs> but uh with more like and and just it no other game feels like this one i i, I can't stress enough it's like a game feel is like what defines destiny because it's like either then other shooters are call of duty adjacent in the way they feel destiny feels so much different and to okay. me and to me better so so do y'all want do y'all want um this studio to keep making destiny forever yes but they already said that they were gonna make other games they're already hiring they're actively making a, a something called a code name matter that's why okay. that's why it's called so because like, i would i would love to have destiny like as a single player mass effect like experience i would love that that sounds right on my yeah, alley they, they have talked about the idea of like spinning off destiny uh into movies and also other stuff within the universe yeah so. it might just be one of these franchises that's just not going to be for me like a league of legends i i love the show i just yeah. don't want to play the game at all yeah me i'm Fire. joining there like the league of legends is a borderline impenetrable so yeah. <laughs> but it's like it has its million people so yeah and it's definitely good to be said about making other kind of media that digest and then it makes them want to try the game so it's like it just kind of feeds back into it overall uh, yeah it's, we're it's just seeing that with the last of us right now yeah um yeah uh, destiny is definitely a shark system if they stop up for anything longer than like two weeks uh that game is gonna have a lot of issues mm -hmm. so um i would have to say that i would like them to keep working on it but at the same time i understand the whole idea of wanting to do different things mm -hmm. and especially for how big that studio has gotten and now they got that sony money mm -hmm. uh i think they could do both by having their cake and eating it too yeah uh, we still got you sebastian i lost your camera they were losing Wait, you're good i was just okay no okay. no no oh, it's all good okay. um Give me one second. I, I was sneezing. I didn't want to like ruin ah. your flow there. <laughs> no worries. It's okay. I, we've had our flow ruined before by dog barking or cat cameos. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna lie. Like I either sneeze like really subtly or I do like the ugliest sneeze uh, there, there, in the world. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I just didn't want to like bother y'all while you were talking with this like ugly sneeze. You Paul, know? remember the hiccups? 
Vaguely, I think. <laughs> the hiccups. <laughs> that I had like a uh, hiccup yeah, attack on one of our recordings. That. Yeah, but sorry to interrupt. I I did exactly what I was unintending to do. You know. Yeah, I will say like for me with Destiny, like I wouldn't mind if they continue working on it. I just want them to like do like a fundamental rework or maybe an actual third game, like after after whatever it is they expand they expand upon next uh, next year, because. They're using an engine right now that still powered PS4 and Xbox One back in like 2017. And those console, all consoles are still being supported. And the more uh, expansions they kept growing and the more they have bolted on on top of like the framework. Even though they keep saying that they've reworked their engine and all that, there's many elements that feel very old at this point. That if they're going to keep going as they are, like, I think I have one more year with me with like this current technology before I'm like, guys, like you got to do like a bigger rework now. Like do like, do like a big cut. Like them saying next year is the end of the light and darkness saga feels like a good stopping point for like what destiny two is. And it would be, it would be good time for like a new destiny game. Like I've been in the, in, in the boat of like, no, it's fine that they keep building on the one MMO because MMOs keep doing that, but I feel like they're hamstrung by the technology that they did. They had technology that was going to power a limited game when they were back in Activision. And because Activision was like, no, we're going to do a Destiny 1, a 2, a 3, and even a 4. Bungie was like, no, we want to do like the one game. So they were like in a tug of war with, with Activision when they were doing that. And then when they broke off, then they were like, okay, we're going to keep building on Destiny 2, even though the technology is not that. And then I, f- I feel like it's time. Like if they, they can do Destiny 3 with the proper technology and be like, okay, this is the last one. This is the one we're building until we all die. I would mind it because I would know that then they would build that game for that. Destiny 2 feels retroactively built to be like this long long running thing. And that's why like you see that kind of problem of like content removal. Uh, apparently today there was like a character deletion bug. Paul, I don't know if you saw, if you heard, if you saw that, Paul. That people, oh. were lo- that people were logging in and they were like prompting them to like create a new character and everyone was started panicking. Mm. But they were able to like fix that and retroactively like... Uh, that gave me uh, flashbacks to GTA Online's line. <laughs> where they were like, don't keep making a creative character. It keeps deleting your old one. Yeah, no, no, no. Like for, for real, it's like, that's the kind of technology yeah. that I'm like, yeah, it's like that shows you. It's like our friend Duncan calls it the spaghetti code. It's like just it's just code that's like completely crumb, crumbles like a, let's make it when you bolt like a piece of meat on top of it. <laughs> so I have a question for y'all on the outside looking in. Um, this is me putting my business hat on. Like I'm so if I'm PlayStation right now, and you know I we we might talk about the Activision Call of Duty thing later, but like mm-hmm. I know that I might need a tent pole like multiplayer franchise franchise. If you mm-hmm. do Destiny three and your PlayStation, do you make Destiny three exclusive? So they already said that anything that Bungie makes is gonna be multi platform because Bungie mm-hmm. is not a PlayStation Studios banner. Yeah, They're just owned by Sony. Sense. So and to be fair to them that immediately as soon as that acquisition was announced, they literally said everything remains multi platform. They haven't gone through the Microsoft song and dance of we're honoring previous commitments and we're, we're, we're we can't wait to like keep like Call of Duty for many more years to come and seeing all the garbage that's been like uh, the the circus that's been just the the acquisition left and right uh, of Activision Blizzard so that makes sense I you know I ask in the in the sense that you know like people say things and then they say things and then things change like 10 years from now like quote unquote like starfield will be date and date a year really you know like will come out a year from now and like things change you know like this and 
and divorce kind of gets petty if you know what i mean like i'm looking at playstation and like right now a whole lot of things are evolving because of the lawsuit like they said one thing with the bungee thing do they stick by what they say or you know does divorce get petty and hey do you say like hey things change you know like y'all we wanted we wanted destiny to be on every platform but y'all also like didn't treat us the way we wanted to be treated with that that activision thing you know at this at this point i believe that could happen like yeah i i I, I have learned to not say like everything is just like uh, as a thing they did the bungie did mention that um that their acquisition was more kind of like not quite a merger but something that's just kind of like an uh, like an independent umbrella which is a weird thing to say for something that uh you own but technically, Blizzard was that with Activision until that became more of a thing. So who knows? That could happen to them, and then they could exert the no. You're not putting the things on Xbox. But as as of, as of right now, like Bungie's like adamant that everything remains multi-platform because they're adamant of keeping their player base like as widespread and all together as possible. It's really cool. Like when I play Destiny with Paul, it's like we're like the only ones in PlayStation or a clan fall. The other ones are like on PC or on Xbox. And I hope would, it doesn't get that. And, and, and you and you and you. Uh, and you wouldn't know because that's like a cool future that could happen. It's just a uh, with Microsoft, like you can never trust them. <laughs> that's what it feels like because they they go back on their word real quick, and that's kind of like their arguments with this damn lawsuit. But uh, we're definitely gonna talk about one of the stories. So, mm-hmm. Paul, press X. Arsenal News. Story number one. Starfield blasts off in September by Marcus Stewart and from Game Informer. So finally we got a release date. Starfield Bethesda's mammoth size space RPG is launching on September 6th. The publisher announced in a video uh, yesterday. Additionally, a presentation showcasing more of the game called Starfield Direct will air on June 11. In a new video hosted by game director Todd Howard, he states the Direct in June, which happens to be the weekend before E3 starts, will provide a deep dive into the game. He reiterates that Starfield is a unique experience that also has many of the hallmark hallmarks fans expect from a Bethesda title. So, finally, September 6th, they said this was going to be out within the 12 months of the E3 conference. That did not happen. And yep. Life happens, you know? Yeah, like, life happens. Yeah. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like uh, a lot of people. There was like the copium. I think we we're talking about it, the, the copium poll that yeah. the the uh, shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush could be like a sign of like this is also another Bethesda title. Maybe it's like there's space in March. We already got the April and May games slotted in. There's nothing in March. May uh, they were saying they were gonna do the previous, and now this is out in September. A game that was originally gonna be out on November 11, 2022. I'm glad hey. that yeah, I'm glad that it's out there. I'm really curious when Spider-Man comes out now. Very, if very I'm, curious. If I'm PlayStation, Spider-Man comes out in October. If I'm PlayStation, I launch the same day. What? <laughs> oh, the, you're petty. Yeah. Oh, big, you're petty. The, the big down there move. <laughs> like, hey, which game's gonna be the biggest one? Let's just be oh, Spider-Man. Honest. Easily Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So. Yeah. But both of these are console exclusives, so I mean, whoever's gonna get it is gonna play it anyways. But like mm-hmm. this, the only divide you're getting is like the people who have both platforms are gonna have to choose like yeah. which game to play. But I mean, for the people who just have like 
the one big tent pole in either side of the fence it's not gonna affect them either way you know yeah yeah microsoft has like the advantage that this is launching the full game's launching on game pass so there's like the but technically you can go by spider-man but you play it free here so they have yeah. they they, they, they kind of still have that um it's kind of like their one trump card but I'm just like real curious to see like when Spider-Man will launch now because it's like now we know they put a big stake they put the the big knife in the stake and be like nope here it is here's when we're launching if they delay again I'm gonna absolutely lose it I'm gonna I, I'm gonna laugh so much that if they delay Starfield again I think know. what's telling about this news is is like now that Starfield has a date I bet that the the rest of the dominoes are gonna follow soon because like let's be honest here it's only a couple months we still haven't gotten a date for for uh forza motorsport either and yeah. i bet that that is like going to be a fall game as well because like, like usually like usual usually for yeah mm -hmm. forza's usually launch in the fall and yeah. september on top of that so i wonder if it will be pushed like on october because uh there were rumors because if you look, looked at the developer director like some numbers that aligned that seemed like it was saying that it was going to launch in june 20 2023 mm -hmm. but they only left like a spring and it seems like it's just gonna push and my thing is like when they, we get to their showcase this june are they again gonna say the next day yeah uh, no not, not day and date but they're gonna say everything that we're showing here is you're gonna be playing within the next 12 months can they get away with that again i don't think they'll do that again no. um based on the, the biggest one the biggest game that everyone's been waiting for or at least uh, like the biggest marquee game got moved outside of that window when they said it last year so i i think i think they're going to play their cards closer to the chest this time around but that said i mean like this doesn't really feel like a bad move for xbox you know uh, that starfield's in the date like that because now that you got that out of the way like all that you can set like a good appetizer with Forza Motorsport, either before or afterwards, or you can like now if Stalker two, uh, if Stalker is done, I mean you can yeah. set Stalker around this date as well. They need you know? to because like Stalker has technically been done. It was just like forever delayed because of the whole Ukraine war. Yeah, so, and it has and a bigger shot as the other rushing after Atomic Heart kind of like fumbled. That's another game that they have on Game Pass. Yeah, so so, so I mean, there's uh, like if if I'm Xbox right now, sure you're probably taking it on the chin with some people out there with the discourse of like, hey, this game got delayed again, or like, oh wow, it, it got delayed. I, I, I can't wait to for this Sunday's Iron Lords podcast, uh, yeah, because King is about to go off because he was the one that was like, you, you better like launch like before June because you promised. So yeah. <laughs> in fact, he was he was in fact he was making the claims of. That Starfield was so big that he was they were gonna put it like close to Zelda. No, they Not, went the they, they went the other way. <laughs> they went as far away as possible. Yeah. And so Zelda's, at this at this point, I mean, like Zelda gets to rule that time by itself, you know. Yeah. Especially with another game delay, which we're gonna talk a little bit later, which was hilarious. But um, yeah. So Paul, Paul what you, do you think of this delay? Yeah. yeah. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you like, sound like a dad right now <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like i want full dad energy with that not just like oh i'm disappointed in my favorite release thing it's like guys you are one of the biggest gaming companies in, like in the entire world the least y'all can do is hit dates that you put out and if you don't that is a failure on whoever set the date and if so there needs to be some talks mm -hmm. made about who set the date and why, like, how you can make sure you never have that happen again. Because it's such a consistent thing with the best. It's like, 
why is it happening? Yeah. What needs to change? Yeah, so here's the interesting part. If Bethesda was still its old subsidiary, this would have come out last November. And it'd no, been janky. And it'd been yeah, it would be the jankiest crap like it always is because that's Absolutely. usually yeah, that's usually how they launch these games. The only time that they delayed a game before was Oblivion back in 2006. I was kind of reading that. It was like they literally this is the first time since Oblivion that they had like constantly delayed a game because they kind of want to get it right. And I wonder now like they would have wanted getting it out because that's their usual MO, but Xbox is like now you're you have branding like our branding's all over your game now it can't be the janky mess especially when they know what the janky disaster of fall 76 meant to them like literally the disaster of fall 76 is what made bethesda put it put itself like uh like to be acquired by someone because it was like their cachet got destroyed like like, like as an entity after how bad that game was so yeah. yeah, I mean, and Fallout 4 came out and didn't strike the world on fire either. Exactly, it was, so it was like a mm-hmm. downward, the downward train had already started, and then it just, like, crashed, like, a, like, a, the, the bus full of nuns got into fire and crashed in the, <laughs> into the garbage with Fallout 76. So, I feel they oh. have more, now it's like, here's the thing, like, now there's expectation, they keep delaying this, like, this better be polished, this cannot be a, 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 a normal Bethesda release, like, any sign of the jank, they're gonna get destroyed. No, for sure. But I mean, if you look at if you look at everything that Xbox puts out this year, even with Starfield having this date, it's a good year for Xbox, man. Because I'm oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. You got Minecraft, um, whatever the Minecraft thing is. Um, so, yeah, you got. We're Minecraft. getting we're getting impressions from Redfall soon, and I hear from the Grapevine it's actually really good. From what I, I hear, I, yeah. I've heard mixed things. Yeah. I've heard mixed things, but we'll we'll talk about that off, off screen. But like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Red, uh, like we got Red. Redfall, we found Minecraft. We also have Forza, which is still coming out. We had Hi-Fi Rush, Starfield, and for them this summer, the big game is still going to be Diablo because mm-hmm. Diablo is is going to be on day and day and on Game Pass. Uh, not yet. That's still a, that. Right? No, it's still not Game Pass because uh, the acquisition oh, still yeah. hasn't been completed. So, oh, okay, that's true. That's true. People want that acquisition to be completed ASAP because they want Diablo on Game Pass. Okay, yeah. but they still got Diablo coming out for for them. It's just. Mm-hmm. Just not day and day on Game Pass, but I mean, that that to me is like that's a big year for Xbox, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially compared to last year, is like this year is night and day. They have uh-huh. games this time, so right now the big thing is what's after Starfield, especially because they still where's the abouts? That's where was from proceeding. Where's Everwild? put that next year? Put yeah, that next like, year. But yeah, where's Hellblade? Uh, people are aware like, oh yeah, Hellblade will be the fall game. I'm like, when I see Starfield now in September, like, no chance. It's like, I feel like Starfield can carry them for the rest of the year. Uh, they just need to get into cadence, like, for as many studios that they own. They should be putting more games than they put than 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 we get. So we get so many other games from far smaller studios mm-hmm. that can put out an entire series of games before Bethesda puts out a sequel to theirs. Like, I get that bigger releases take more time, but at the same time, it's like, guys, why does mm-hmm. it take so much longer? Like, yeah. at a certain point, you're either just dumping money or your resources are not being managed. And it's just... And the 343 situation is like, puts that into a harsher, uh, like a bigger contrast of... Uh, that's a big studio that you own that has you technically nurtured and we see like how mismanaged it just is 
their season three launched recently for Halo Infinite, which is insane that it took them this long to get it to season three. But I heard from people that still play Halo that it's actually pretty good. But I'm like too little, too late, personally. So, so yeah, I was like, well, now we know, and let's see. It's so funny that they're doing a direct the week before E3 or whenever they do a showcase. So. It gives me vibes that they want. They will try to keep the 12-month thing. They're just not going to have Starfield there to not bring it to light. The fact that this was one of those games that they put in that, no, don't worry, you're going to be playing this within the within the time we're going to do showcases. So I just want to just get consistent, Xbox. Just get freaking consistent. I want you to do good. So story number two. We haven't touched on this topic for a while because I've just been like tired of it, but... This one was like, what? That I was like, yeah, we got to talk about this. So story number two, now from Tom Ivan over at BGC. Sony claims Microsoft could release buggy Call of Duty games for PlayStation consoles. Uh, issuing its provisional findings on the proposed deal last month, UK regular the Competition and Markets Authority raised concerns that Microsoft could choose to apply a range of tactics to stifle competition if the deal was approved. This included withholding games or content from Sony, offering fewer features on rival consoles, and degrading the quality of Activision titles on PlayStation. It suggested the simplest way to ensure there isn't a significant lessening of competition would be to block the deal entirely or implement a partial divestiture of Activision Blizzard that would see parts of the business, like Call of Duty, sold off and removed from the equation. However, the CMA say it would also consider a behavioral remedy, such as Microsoft's offer to make Call of Duty available on other platforms post merger, although it views these as less favorable than structural ones, which rarely require monitoring and enforcement once implemented. In its newly published response to these findings, Sony said Microsoft's bid to acquire Activision should be blocked or subject to structural remedies if it's to be approved. It said behavioral remedies would be insufficient to address the regulator's concerns because there were myriad ways Microsoft could withhold or degrade access which would be extremely difficult to monitor and police. It argued, if Microsoft failed to comply with this commitment, it would likely only risk paying a fine, possibly many years later, but rivals' access to Call of Duty would be immediately foreclosed, irreparably damaging their ability to compete and ultimately harming consumers. One of the ways Microsoft could choose to circumvent its obligations would be to release Call of Duty games for PlayStation, Sony claimed, swiftly detecting any diversions from and ensuring compliance with a commitment as to technical or graphical quality would be challenging, it said. For example, Microsoft might release a PlayStation version of Call of Duty where bugs and errors emerge only at the game's final level or, later, or after later updates. Even if such degradations could be swiftly detected, any remedy would likely come too late by which time the gaming community would have lost confidence in PlayStation as a go-to venue to play Call of Duty. I fear this delves uh, a little into the constant back and forth of what might happen to the point that I don't even know what to say anymore outside mm -hmm. of pistol let's let it happen, see what happens, and we'll deal with it when we deal with it at this point. But I know that's a very, like, consumer focus on it, because these companies are like, once it goes through, we can't stop it. But at the same time, I I am tired of this back and forth. No. Um, Especially it's, when it's the arguments a, are so dumb. The arguments that yeah. they're putting are, like, so stupid. It's very arbitrary information. It's like, oh, they might throttle our game version uh, then that would be terrible because people would hate PlayStation, Call of Duty, and Activision. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. It's it's really that tired father with two siblings who have been bickering for hours, mm -hmm. and you're 
you don't care which one slapped the other first. It's like both of you got up. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think that's where I'm at with this. Frankly, I'm I'm tired of the back and forth. Nice. We it barely, don't matter. Yeah. It don't matter how bad they put that PS5 version of Call of Duty. It still ain't gonna be as bad as that Nintendo Switch version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember that they're still committing. That apparently, that if this goes through, they're gonna put it on the Switch. And yeah, uh, I don't know if that's gonna go well either. Honestly. Yeah. It's just, oh. Yeah. It's just like what makes it so tiring is hearing like all the stupid arguments that they're making, and I'm like, Sony, when has that been a thing? Like, if people were making like the conspiracy theories of the things you're making, it's like. Why are you like raising these hypotheticals? Have you engaged in that kind of thing? Um, Just saying, it was like you smell the delta. You say ah, exactly so, because it's like no one else is like uh, saying garbage like this. No one. And uh, and to me, like I kind of mentioned, it's like it was easy for me to, to try to like tune it out, like all this thing, because it was just back and forth of hearing like bad faith arguments from like both sides. When I got whiffed of the fact that the reason we didn't get a freaking showcase from PlayStation last year was because they intentionally held back because they were fighting this goddamn thing. That's when I, to me, got, got personal. Um, enough. Just shut up. Like, these are not, like, legit complaints. And, man, if, like, they, if these regulators buy this kind of thinking, wow. It's, like, that, that, that'd be, like, a new low for me. <laughs> like, a because this doesn't make any sense especially when microsoft is being clear they have the contract enforceable when they say enforceable it's like we got a contract we're giving it for you for 10 years it's like it's why i always said like uh when did did my camera die yeah great <laughs> so i have to let me reopen you look that. like you're thinking very well though yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you even just kind of continued, I don't think uh, anybody would notice. No, oh. we would just think you were all talking just in one breath. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how long this was dead for 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 a little bit. And... Yeah, just a couple long. minutes. I was watching you. Yeah, just a couple minutes. So that being said, you know, like to get back on topic here, like when do y'all feel like this whole like lawsuit, he said, she said, divorce thing will be like resolved? Well, I thought it was going to be within a year, and then uh, we found out that's not a thing, so... Yeah, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the FTC suing was gonna delay this whole thing, which sucks. Okay, I'm gonna use this camera yeah. now, because my other hey, one disappeared. Hey, alright. Hey. Yeah. Join Crappy Camera Club. Crappy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one for my uh. laptop, but yeah, it's like, it would be insane for me if this, uh, if if they block this deal over this kind of argument like i just like this is the one the one point where i'm like sony you have completely lost the plot for me like the things that you're willing to fight for and screwing your player base from being excited about over your platform if you're withholding content because of this damn thing so but kind of like i was before i got my camera that got destroyed there um the uh then getting so tied to the hit to call of duty i think this is what happens when they're so tied to the hip to them like they're trying they're trying to do all these arguments over a game they don't even own they're fighting tooth and nail it's like they, they seem so desperate and it's very hard for me to like feel any sympathy or for them like any shape any, any way shape or form but it's great for comedy i tell you it's like it's just great for comedy because it's like 
how much worse can this get, Paul? How much worse like the arguments can can can, can be made with this? At this point, all that's gonna happen out of here is just bad things for everyone. And we're just gonna like find more things out about either Activision that's really terrible or Sony's going to continue trying to make things worse. But either way, it's like nobody's going to come out of this unscathed. We're way past that and it's only gonna get worse. So it's but it's literally in Sony's best interest to just let this happen and to salvage their PR as much as they can. Because even if they succeed, then the damage is gonna be done. Yeah. I agree with that. So let's move on to this is something that may be exciting for you, Sebastian, because you're actually going to this thing. So story number three. E3 opens industry registration and claims AAA companies will appear. So far, Ubisoft is the only major publisher to have publicly committed to the show's return. Story by Andy Roberts Robinson. E3 2023, the flagship industry event's first physical show in four years, will run from Tuesday, June 13, and has been taken over from the Entertainment Software Association by ReadPop, the media and events company behind PAX, EGX, and Star Wars Celebration. I didn't know they did Star Wars Celebration also. Uh, so far, Ubisoft is the only major publisher to publicly commit to the physical E3 2023 show, while Nintendo has confirmed it will be skipping this year's event. However, in an update published on Thursday, Repop claimed that unnamed AAA companies, in addition to indie darlings and tech and hardware firms, have committed to making their return to the LA Convention Center. The full ro roster of exhibitors will be announced in the lead-up to the expo, providing participating companies the opportunity to make their own individual announcements beforehand. So, Ubisoft confirmed. I wonder who else. You know, I I, I wish I was excited about this. Uh, I I'm like I haven't been excited about an Ubisoft game in like a mm -hmm. long time now. What were you saying, Paul? I was just thinking, um, like I know if I was going there, I feel like I'd feel some of the hype in general. Um, it's definitely such a huge blow to not hear anything from the first party companies mm. but i do feel like there's a chance that there's still going to be some decent bangers revealed or at least confirmed here um because the world's still a big place and even if we only hear about like five different companies doing all of the big releases and big drama uh there's a lot of stuff that can be shown and a lot of stuff that can get people excited. Uh, it's a shame that everyone's kind of realized the cheat is to just do your own show and then put it online. But mm -hmm. um, maybe we'll still see some good stuff. Yeah. yeah, to me, to me, it's like very sus that they're not willing to tell us who's gonna be there. Yeah. Usually, by this time, we know who's going. And Ubisoft, kind of like what you were mentioning, Sebastian, is like Ubisoft is the worst state they've ever been. It's hard to get excited about anything they do. So them being like the only one that has confirmed is like, am I supposed to be excited about that? Um, Keely, last summer Game Fest was disappointing, but the one before that was really great. He has done really great with the shows after that summer Game Fest, if you remember, Paul, the one that only gave us Last of Us Part 1 as like the big show closer. Um, that was like yeah. the weakest show he had he had done, but like opening Night Live, really great. Uh, yeah. uh, Game Awards, amazing. And he knows the uh, the feedback he got over Summer Game Fest. I can imagine he would try to continue that momentum. And I feel that's what this show where it's at. And I feel if it's, 
like kind of like we mentioned behind the uh, before recording, Sebastian. Like for you, like because you're going to E3. Uh, have you booked? Yeah, are you booked to go? Yeah, I'm booked to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so it's like it, the the connections that you can make. That usually that's what the big thing that some people like didn't understand the importance of E3. That E3 was a great place to go market and connect and like. It was a trade show. It, it was, was it you was know a, a lot trade of show. It was a trade show and a lot of and it was about making connections. It was about also getting your games out in front of like different people as well. Like over the years, it become more of a showcase kind of thing. But like mm -hmm. this might be the E3 where it kind of gets back to its roots, so to speak, and becomes mm -hmm. a trade show kind of event again. And to be honest, it needed to evolve for a very long time, a very very long time. So. You know, this is the natural evolution of things. Sometimes evolution is de-evolution, so to mm -hmm. speak. And, you yeah. know, may maybe a couple of steps backwards will be good for for it, it, you know, or maybe the inevitable will happen. And, you know, this might be the last hurrah. But, you know, um, regardless, it's good that some people are showing up. And because, mm -hmm. like, no news is, I mean, little news, even if you feel like it's not relevant to, to you or not, it's still it's better, better than, than no it, news. Yeah, yeah, better than no news, especially for this. It's like, they have to, like, they have to know, like, going to E3 is not cheap. It absolutely is not. I was hearing upwards of $4,000. Could be, like, uh, uh, if, uh, like just for, like, for the places where you're going to stay and all of that. It's like, that's the kind of prices I've heard. Uh, unless you have family in the place that could kinda, you can kind of, like, undercut lodging. Because lodging alone is going to be the problem. But expecting to for people to pay that much to go to a show that has, like, so little... I hope that whatever they're holding off are actually big bangers that make you go, okay, that's cool that they're actually going to be there. But in this new era where we're seeing the digital showcases and all that, like E3 is definitely like a relic of what it of what it was. Right now, it feels like it's it's packs, but with the E3 name, based on like the indie darling thing, and that's fine. But it's not E3. Like <laughs> E3 is like where you go see the big stuff. PAX is where indies go to shine, and I mean you're going to PAX in two weeks. Yeah, I am going to PAX in two weeks. But I mean, um, I think like PAX is going to have like a whole bunch of the indie darlings, like you're saying, and games we haven't heard of. But like E3, I will say, even with like some of the, I would say not like S tier publishers going to be there with um, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo, like it'll still have a lot of familiar IPs, I bet. Like I, I'm willing to bet like during that week, there probably is going to be a new Sonic the Hedgehog announcement. There's probably going to be a new Tomb Raider announcement. There's probably going to be probably a Lord of the Rings announcement of some some form of some facet. You know, like, so so many people are doing a Star Wars project, like, nowadays. There's probably going to be a Star Wars announcement there. We'll probably see a Marvel Project gameplay of some sort, you know? What if it's Achilles show happening around the same time? And it could be, mm -hmm. and, and that could be. I mean, like some of those things might show up at Keeley's. I don't know if Keeley's going to do all those because he also has so many relationships with like FromSoft and different things like that. There's, to me, there's like only so much time that Keeley could put on in in a two hour presentation, so to speak, or maybe an hour and fifteen minute pre presentation, depending on how long he wants to make it this year. Yeah, he usually goes above the two hours. So, we'll yeah, see. so. And some of that time has like, in some of that time, it's also like dedicated commercials because he has to also, you know, make his money back. So yeah. like, so like all all of that is like, there's only so much time you could do in that two hour window. Like a lot, of, a lot of that's going to trickle to E3 because like it wears like a lot of us look at E3 probably like as a relic. A lot of these other like first party or third party developers are going to be like, hey, I can be the biggest fish in a smaller pond now, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and then like just like you remember how like sony and and nintendo and microsoft all used to have their dedicated days at e3 and they had those days because like they can rule the news cycle for that particular day mm-hmm. embracer group and and ubisoft and everybody showed up at, e- at e3 they, they were like in between, and they were if you remember ubisoft was like in between the big showcases back in yeah the day. for sure like we got the microsoft showcase earlier in the morning on a monday and then like you would have the smaller ones like the square enixes the ubisoft's in the between and then it would end with like the playstation showcase whenever sony left e3 that balance completely got out of whack um because some of yeah. these other showcases didn't warrant like the, being the big, like the big headline. Especially <laughs> for those smaller third parties, they were good for like time killing or time wasting. For as, as you got, as you got into like the bigger stuff, so not having any of the three sucks. But the thing is that I bet you they're still gonna have showcase around showcases, digital showcases around this time. Oh just yeah, to, for like, sure. j- Just to kind of like synergize with the psychology of like it's E3 time. That's kind of like what people like about that time because it's just gaming Super Bowl. Yeah. And if I'm Embracer Group right now, I'm taking that landscape and I'm like, I could be the biggest fish on one particular day and I can just rule that. And like, I could just go balls to the wall and make like this bigger, larger than life showcase that, that as everyone's as talking as long about. As, they don't have, as long as they don't have more Saints Rose. They gotta like, yeah, be, for sure. they, yeah, they gotta show up with like quality if they want to like be able to earn headlines so yeah for sure but what i'm saying is like you know like if i know i got some some bangers going on like i'm fully going like deep this year and just like showcasing doing the best showcase i possibly can do i can't wait like uh have your phone like on hand and definitely show show us like the things that you watch while you're there because it'll be fun to see someone that's like in the end because we're only going to be able to see from like the outside like like usual so (laughs) you're going to be like our correspondent (laughs) the e3 correspondent i always wanted yeah. to be that and i always say i mentioned it to the season gaming guys that i wanted is this year is going to be the wait and see for me like, i want to see how that goes and see within the next year who then joins in and maybe then i can start saving to attempt to try to go so yeah for sure i understand that yeah and definitely i'm gonna hit you up and you tell me like how much it costs you to go to, yeah for to, sure. to, to kind of start like making numbers so smaller news uh, news bits now but Time for some hilarity. Paul, you broke this one to me while I was playing Dead Cells today, and I burst out laughing. Story number four by Andrew Robinson. Rocksteady Suicide Squad has reportedly been delayed again following showcase criticism. The game will now release later this year, it's claimed. Warner Bros. has reportedly delayed Rocksteady Suicide Squad until the second half of 2023 following negative responses to a recent gameplay showcase. According to Bloomberg sources, Warner has decided to push the title from its previously announced May release date until later this year. If this game was that the DOA after that showcase in May, putting it now in the same quarter where Spider-Man is launching, such a bad decision on their part. Yeah, but at the same time, like, okay, so bad decision, sure, but also, yeah, it's just. At this point, it needs to come out. They need to write it off as the loss for their taxes. Yeah. Move on. This game, there's nothing that they're going to be able to change or polish that's going to see. It's not the polish that's the problem. It's, it's just the concept. It's just the concept. The subject matter, the, the, the subject matter, not too bad. The concept of life service. Yeah. It's like. That's better. Yeah. And yeah I'm right like, there with y'all. Yeah. And because there are some people who are like, oh, so they later, so are they gonna like walk back all the live service? I'm like, too late. This no, that old. game's already made. Yeah, that game's already made. It's like, it was, 
Like, if it was indefinitely delayed, I would believe that. But not, like, for a second half of this thing. Like, not a second half of this year. There, it, the, the game that we saw in that poor state of play is the game that we're getting. That, like, fundamental misunderstood... Like, like that fundamental misunderstood game that... There's like it shouldn't be. It shouldn't have been like what it turns out to be, especially when we see glimpses of the game it could have been. So, I will say this is a smart business move though, from from like their studio and like that publishing company, because mm-hmm. like the fall besides Starfield right now in Spider-Man is relatively mm-hmm. empty. I'm like you could even if like you didn't quite set the world on fire, you're you're gonna get sales because there's not very much else. There. It will be the Gotham Knights. Uh, conundrum like that oh, game yeah, sold sure. a lot not only because it had a and i it, the batman and jason name but remember that fall was sparse until december december was when we started getting a lot of games yeah but it was like they... so many few games coming out around that same time that it's why like game like Saints rose sold so much yeah for sure and After... then i'm like put this in october uh, like around that october time get ready uh, discount it a little bit towards black friday this game is gonna mm-hmm. sell like i don't think it'll sell like like tremendously well but mm-hmm. i do think it like because word of mouth will probably spread really quickly but like there's so many casual gamers that that are going to are like casual gamers and then casual mom and dads they're going to look at this this fall and be like oh i could pick this up from my kids like super easy you know like my teenagers that won't necessarily know the ins and yeah, outs of this I, game. I would love the idea of a mom picking up suicide squad kill the justice league for the kid <laughs> You know, like <laughs> parenting's different nowadays. Like, I know, you know, I, know, like, I, know. I, I just, I just love, I, I just love that dichotomy. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. But you know, like, there's this game's gonna sell better in the fall than it would against like Breath, uh, like Tears of the Kingdom against like no. Star Wars Jedi Fall. Or yeah, Jedi just Survivor remember, it was that. sandwiched like because Redfall got got put in, into that window also. So it was like from May to like June, it was like Redfall, Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo Four, Street Fighter Six, Final Fantasy Sixteen. I mean, come on it's like suicide squad had no prayer especially after that gameplay showcase so it has a better shot but it's like it's being releasing so close to spider-man now puts it in bigger con it's gonna put it like in bigger contrast like what a misguided decision to do this is a live service compared to a game that is not gonna be a live service it's gonna sell millions of copies and i bet it's gonna review so real so well Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But if you're PlayStation, you're happy about this decision because, like, maybe you have, like, two games this fall that are both going to probably move the needle for PS5s just that much further, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, it's so funny that happened that quick, a delay. Like, we had, like, just literally, was it two weeks ago that we saw the state of play? It's like, uh, it feels like longer because Paul has been traveling, but, yeah, it was just two weeks ago. Really does. (laughs) So... But hey, that cartoony Justice League game comes out this week, Paul. I <laughs> know. Um, I know. <laughs> it's like, at least it had, like, at least the Justice League is well represented in cartoony form somewhere. <laughs> so. You know, at this point, if I'm like, if I'm DC, I'm starting to license out my properties like okay. crazy at this point. So, as I read this next story, I want you, one of you guys, to go to Twitter and go check Water64 just to double check because as we're recording right now, a, re, a, a Capcom presentation is happening. Obviously, we're not like watching it, but what am I actually looking for here? So, oh, oh really? Like this? Uh, okay, hang on. Um, I, I'm on Wario 64 right here. Perfect. As well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. As, as, as oh, I read yeah. the story, so story number five: uh, a Resident Evil 4 remake demo is seemingly coming today, according to a new ad. 
Capcom is hosting a presentation later where a demo will likely be announced. It appears that the ad has been made active too early because Capcom is set to air a digital presentation of its upcoming games later today. Twitch users have been reporting that an ad for the game has been occasionally appearing for chance with the world's worst demo available now. So, you guys see any whiffs of like the Capcom showcase there? No, uh, there's a little bit. Um, Ghost Trick, which I think was one of the things mentioned in the Capcom thing, is releasing on June 29th. Okay. Exo Primal releasing July 13th. Okay, so uh, Tom uh, Henderson was right because he leaked that all today. Okay. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is releasing US PSN on April 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. My Mega Man Into Warrior. Season one and two goes up March twenty first for free. That's the TV show tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, Legacy Collection still releasing April fourteenth for mm-hmm. all platforms on Xbox. And um, I don't even think that was uh, part it, of the actual show. Yeah, it's that's still happening. So just keep an eye on that. So just a little PSA for that for, for that thing. They say have demo available now. So by the time that you hear this recording, there may be a demo for Resident Evil. Probably so. For and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. It's so close. Two weeks. The game comes out in two weeks. So as you keep an eye on that final story by Chris Collian over at BGC, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe update rebalances the game and adds five blank character slots. The latest, oh, uh, yeah, so the most notable addition in version 2.3.0, which is now available for download, is support for Wave 4 of its booster course Bass DLC, which adds eight more courses to the game. The DLC also adds Birdo to the roster, making it the first Wave to add a new character instead of just new tracks. However, rather than reorganizing the character select screen in a way that adds Birdo cleanly, the game also has also now added five question mark spaces. In a press release regarding Wave 4 and Birdo following last month's Nintendo Direct, Nintendo stated, Returning characters from the Mario Kart series will be added in future waves. So, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which was the complete package of the Wii U game released on Switch, and then got added and then had like all this DLC added to the $50 a year uh, expansion pass, Nintendo Online. Now adding characters? Nintendo's actually doing a live service, guys. How old is this game? <laughs> well, uh, Just it's funny it. because yeah. Nintendo hates calling it that, but yeah. I feel like it's been a live service for a long time. I was about to say Smash Brothers was towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that, that's the thing. Like Smash has always had like a structure of like releasing the characters and all that. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is technically even older than this Smash Brothers, and it took them this many years to then start adding like all these new courses that it was i think it started last year where they started adding the, the, the new tracks and now they're adding like the new characters and like i'll say this there's so many games that nintendo has that should be i mean like and i keep underlining this that should be live service that they just like drop support so quick then i don't understand why yeah uh, mario maker 2 should have been one they literally only gave that year one that game one year of support and then they dropped it so Obviously, this Mario Kart has sold how much now? Like, I could look at the sales numbers after. So much. Stupidly. Stupidly. Yeah, it sold so much. And to be fair, it's a really, really good Mario Kart. It is. It's so, so good. It's also long in the tooth at this point. But hey, at least they're adding more than just tracks. So it's so funny that now it's like, are they going to release another, like, uh, track pass after this? Because it it was four waves of tracks that they were, that, that they promoted for. So. 
new characters joining Mario Kart, people. So if you're still excited to play that with your friends when you have, when if you still have parties where friends come over to play, now you know. Like it, that's a game that's that I play. Oh my guess. The huh? game that keeps on giving. That's for sure. Yeah, this and Smash has always been like the when I have some of my friends from here like come over or I go to some of them. This is the games that we play. So uh. it's good. To, it's good to see it being supported because Nintendo is just very bad at that. So. Any updates on the Capcom thing? Nah, still the same. Yeah, still the same. Because nah. I see, I see from my, I see from my end that the last thing that they mentioned was uh, Hikaru Takahashi announces a six, Street Fighter Six commentator. Uh, subtitles for thirteen languages for uh, Street Fighter Six, and a digital theme park announced for Capcom 40th anniversary on June 12th. So it's still like that's still ongoing. So Sebastian, because. Uh, Paul's mic is not the best. You're also you're doing his releases. Alrighty then, yes. ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the game releases from February. Uh, from well, give me one second. This yeah, just one shot, Sebastian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. From March 12th to March 18th. <laughs> you changed the date on me. You yeah. changed the date <laughs> on me. Mid mid reading yeah. you changed the date it was like the <laughs> teleprompter was just changing right there to there all right ladies and gentlemen it is time for the game releases from march 12th through march 18th 2023 all right first up we have the legend of heroes trails uh trails to azure oh okay playstation yeah. 4 switch and pc coming at you march 14th the wreck playstation 5 xbox series x and x PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Also, March 14th. March 15th, we have Woken, Lords of Mayhem. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and X. Anno. Anno. Yeah. Anno. And 1800. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and X, March 16th. The Dark Pictures Switchback VR. PlayStation VR, that is. PlayStation 2 VR. March 16th. Bayonetta Origins. What's Seriza. Seriza. Uh-huh. Seriza. Or, yeah. Cere- or Cereza. Like, that, Cereza. That's kind of like, yeah, Cereza. I like that song. Uh-huh. And the Lost Demon. First Switch on March 17th. And finally, WWE 2K23. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and everywhere else probably in the world coming at you march 17th such Ladies. a such a non-week for me <laughs> yeah so which games are y'all gonna be playing from this list zero how about you actually i'm gonna keep an eye on anno 1800 because i've heard good things about it and is that the uh, ship game is that the ship like strategy game? it's yeah. like uh imagine city skylines but more focused oh yeah uh, specifically on that time period, it's like economic stuff because I don't think it's just it. I thought it was like the city around it as well. It looks okay. like it's steampunk and it's not like the um, shit like like the sci-fi. I, I don't board. think it's steampunk. It's literally just the eighteen hundreds. The eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. That it's like the yeah. week afterwards is the one that I'm excited for. That's already for a week. So. I'm gonna be playing WWE 2K23. I'm breaking somebody's back. I'm putting people through the tables. I'm yeah. calling out somebody. If I don't slam a wrestler through a table this week, I'm gonna be a cranky boy. Uh, I have I heard. Will say, the last game that I played from that series, uh, randomly when I was working at GameStop, I picked up WWE 2K13, 
Oh. And that was some of the dumbest fun I've ever had. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard. I've heard. There's it's no fun. explanation for how the game works. You just go in and you just mash buttons. Like, there's way to do things. There's no explanation for how. It's it's chaos. And it's so funny. I'm going to be playing yeah. like, I'm going to put like 40 hours into this game probably this week. Yeah. Just pure dumb fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my thing with, uh, I think it was the 2K21 or the 2K19 one that was like so hilariously broken. 20 is to, the one that was it, janky. It, it, yeah. yeah, it was like, but, but like spectacularly broken. Like, it, oh, it, it was it, bad. It, like in a way that it's like, that, that it's beyond understanding. Paul, I'm going to find you videos of that 2K20. It's like, 2K20 I, was like a 4 out of 10 broken. It was bad. It was like <laughs> the characters would get stuck into like the not only like the ring but like the mat like the mats around the uh, ring and different things we're, like we're that. We started like flipping around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the oh, animations man. were nasty. It was it was gnarly. It was the worst one of the worst experiences I've ever played. And and, and unfortunately it was the first time that they switched developers for that game also. So that's yeah. what made it that's what made it worse because they took out Jukes. Yeah. So, and Yux is now making their competitors game. Okay, uh, Exo Primal is launching on Game Pass. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Oh. That's I've cool. never played one of those, so. Yeah, I mean, Exo Primal is that kind of like a Left 4 Dead looking dinosaur game. Oh. Uh, playing as four with like machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's a, that that sounds like a perfect uh, game. The one that we thought was going to be Vanquish at first or like Dino uh, Crisis. Dino Crisis, yeah. And. It yeah. says open beta test from March 17th to March 19th. Okay. So the week that all those games, that's what I'm going to be playing that week. <laughs> so Exo Primal is like mechs, mechs meets dinosaurs, basically? Yeah, yeah it's mechs games versus the dinosaurs, like hordes and hordes of dinosaurs. This was mm-hmm. announced at a state of play back in like March 2022, I remember, if I remember correctly. Um, that was the same uh, state of play that, that announced uh, Diofield Chronicles and Valkyrie Elysium, Paul. That one. Mm. Yes. Uh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah. At least it's, it's gonna be in Game Pass. So, and then at any point they're gonna announce the demo for this. So, enough of that. Jens, where can people find you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Hard on Twitter whenever I'm alive, uh, and also YouTube at Dorkhart. Uh, Sebastian, where can they find you? You can find me at the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast where you can find out about good single player games to play and, you know, just good dev interviews. We also have a lot of things coming down the pipeline. We have um, the creator of Maquis Adventures coming down there. We are going to be covering packs as well. We'll be on the floor. So oh, we look I at. I can't be- wait to hear like your packs experience. Like, what, what, like, and uh, I'll. I'll, I'll note whoever from Season Gaming is like there, and I'll let you yeah. know to see if you can like meet them up. Yeah, also, just so. uh, let me know. I, I'd love to meet and greet everyone. So I'm like, yeah, um, we'll be doing some coverage there. We I've booked more interviews than I probably have like booked food appointments at this point. So like <laughs> that I'll probably have moments to eat. So like be on the lookout for everything the everything on the Single Player Experience podcast and YouTube channel. So. That's pretty much where you can find me. Uh, Al, what can they find you? They can find me at A underscore Dorsegobia on Twitter, at Alejandro Segovia93 on Instagram, at A Segovia on Hive, and my written content mostly right now at seasongaming.com. So, okay. Gents, uh, it's been fun. Always good to see you, Paul, even if, if you're not uh, in your not most optimal of circumstances. I'm just glad that you're alive. I'm hoping I'm alive. that yeah, I'm hoping that your final move to wherever you are like go smooth because I've heard 
you said that you had some funny stories to tell that I can't wait to hear for that. And yeah, uh, not ready to laugh about them just yet. But yeah, because you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're still you're still in the middle of the storm. It may not be a hurricane, yeah. but you're in a different kind of storm. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> And then it, there's been storms over here, Sebastian, right? Like, I think it was. Yeah, last like week crazy. That... It's raining right now, like legitimately raining and thundering right now. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, in Dallas, Texas is kind of crazy over here right now. Yeah, it's which is so weird. One of the podcasts that I listened to, uh, the last word podcast, that's the podcast they host, is there in, in Dallas. And that mm -hmm. big storm, like, shut their podcast out. So, yeah. no more episode for the, for, the, for the rest of that week. So, yeah, just stay safe from those storms, Sebastian. And. I'll see you again whenever we can have you and I'll see you later, Paul and everyone else. Thank you for listening and watching whenever you get your podcast services, whether it's uh, from our channels or through Sebastian's generous sharings. So stay safe, Ever stay had. healthy. <laughs> I, I've heard. I've heard. Press There's no yeah. explanation for how the game works. You just go in and well. just mash Maybe. buttons. Like So that's it for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Alejandro and Paul for having me on the X Button Podcast and for letting me cross promote and publish this episode on the Single Player Experience Podcast. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the single player experience discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!